Hi, this is Jen Donovan, VP of Clinical Services at Shields Health Solutions. Hey, this is Jim Otten. I am a clinical pharmacist with Shields Health Solutions. And you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. lives and elevating performance is at the heart of everything Shields Health Solutions does as one of the largest integrated specialty pharmacies in the nation. The Shields team dedicates their patient support programs, experiences, and data platforms to help reduce costs, achieve better clinical outcomes, and accelerate system-wide growth. This is the Shields Health Solutions special podcast series. Specialty pharmacy is such a, a special part of our network. Um, we work with the NASP on an ongoing basis to bring members of the National Association of Specialty Pharmacy uh, to really talk about um, more specific issues, especially like around treatment. And um, one of our um, founded partners giving us some amazing information is Shields Health Solutions. Um, We've been reviewing several disease states and conditions. Today, we're going to be focusing on hepatitis C. And really, when we look at some of the global statistics, an estimated 58 million people have chronic hepatitis C virus infections with about 1.5 million new infections occurring per year. So having pharmacists and our pharmacy teams plugged into this treatment, continuously gathering data about this treatment and outcomes is so important. And I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Jennifer Donovan, um, part of the Shields Health Solutions team, back to rounding out this series. And let's talk about hepatitis C today, Jen. Yeah, glad to be back here. Thanks for having us. And uh, glad to have my my colleague and expert uh, pharmacist, Jim, with us today as well to talk about um, hep C and the great care that he and the many others uh, pharmacists at Shields provides to, to these patients and many others. So your story, Jennifer, we want to hear from Jim. Jim, tell us about um, why you wanted to become a pharmacist and how you've become a a sought-after expert in hepatitis C treatment. Sure. Um, Well, I've always wanted to do something in healthcare. And at the time, um, I was was talking to one of my my dermatologists who had been in, in in medical field for for such a long time. And he was like, don't do something where you can actually make an impact. And that's why I got into pharmacy. Um, I've been a pharmacist for 25 years now. I've run the gamut from, you know, being a pharmacy manager to a district manager to everything. And I really love being in specialty. Um, I feel like this is where, you know, like what we went to school for and what we're meant to do as as pharmacists to be able to engage with the patients in the in the way that we're able to. Yeah, Jim, I think you're spot on. I think one of the things that has drawn me to specialty pharmacy and the shields, you know, I too have had many different hats and roles in a pharmacy, which is I guess one of the blessings of the profession. There's so many things you can do. But there's something that has always resonated with specialty pharmacy, where we get to really directly apply um, our medication knowledge, our connection with patients. And for me, with Shields, it's all about the patient and putting the patient first, which 
really invigorated me again um, these many years later. So it's great to hear you you had kind of a similar journey as well. So we have stats that show us about 2.4 million people um, have uh, hepatitis C in the United States. Uh, we were talking about some of the global statistics. Um, and, you know, that's not so much shocking to me, just based being in pharmacy for so long, I've heard so many statistics. This, the stat that did shock me, which is 51% of the people living with hep C do not know that they have the virus. Um, Jim. Open up that can of worms for us and tell us what what is going on that we don't that our some of our people um, you know don't know that they're they they have this um, they have this disease. Where I think a lot of the opportunity is is just through regular screening and identifying patients in groups where they're more likely to have experienced it. Um, I think one of the the things is a lot of patients that are infected with hepatitis C don't really show any outward signs until you know they're they're screened and and a lot of the times when they you know they do show signs it's 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 pretty far along and that's that's one of the things that i think as as healthcare professionals and just having that conversation and patients that are more prone to, you know, being infected by it, it yeah, having those conversations and just being open and honest and just, you know, making sure that we're, we're screening everybody that we can. Jennifer, I think of your experience in our conversations about other disease states, and we always came to a point in the podcast where we were starting to talk about medication adherence, which is very important, obviously, but it's also catching the, the treatment and starting the treatment as early as possible. Talk to me about the stages um, of hep C. And if we do detect early, um, is there a difference in treatment um, success and treatment outcomes? Yeah, that's one of the great things of where we are with hepatitis C treatment is that it's curable. And I don't think we've been ever able to say that. Um, in a very long time, if ever. And so we have these amazing medications um, and starting them early is key to preventing those long-term complications that Jim started to allude to. And so screening is certainly one part of that. Getting these patients on the medication is the next step. Um, and then keeping them on the medication because they are so effective, but how do we help ensure the patients continue their treatment so they do have that cure? Because um, that's ultimately what we're trying to achieve here. Are there segments of treatment in the world of hepatitis C where specialty pharmacy becomes involved that you go from one medication to the next in order to reach um, that cure level? Uh, and and is, it, is there some kind of titration schedule that is part of the norm or is it specific to each individual patient? Jim, I, I was wanting to ask you, uh, since you have experience. There's, there's multiple factors when you're looking at treatment. Um, one of the things that we look at is genotyping, um, with specifically what type of hepatitis C virus they have and and what drugs it may be resistant to or what may what drugs it may respond to. Um, also we look at if patients have been on treatment prior and if they failed or if 
you know, they've been reinfected and, and there's a lot of factors like that that go into it. Um, for the most part, patients that we screen and catch in the early stages, it's usually one treatment, um, depending on the, the genotype that they're using, um, the genotype that they have, and the medication that we decide to treat them with. Um, it's anywhere from 8 to 12 weeks of treatment, and, and that's it. And that's kind of one of the things I love about working with these patients is you know, you, you, you get to tell them like, Hey, if, if you stick with this for, for eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it ends up being, you're done, you know, like, and that's, that's such a satisfying thing because as Jen said, we don't often get to sit down with somebody and say, we're going to cure you, you know? And, and that's, that's one of the, yeah. the things that I love with working with these patients. Jim, I recall a story um, that that you had shared with us, kind of one of the things that you you talk to your patients about, kind of stick with this, kind of like a pep talk a little bit, mm -hmm. right? Stick with this, continue with their meds. And at the end, like, do you want to share that a little bit? Oh, that, my, that my, really my, cool. my, my, this is your graduation celebration present. Yeah, um, yeah, I so, love that. So um, a lot of patients, so hepatitis C is a bloodborne virus, right? You, you're infected through contact with infected blood. Um, so what a lot of patients don't realize um, is that they can accidentally reinfect themselves if they have their grooming tools um, that have the virus shed on it. So like, if you think like your toothbrush, your razor, your nail clipper, you know, any, any, anything that you have. Um, so I always tell my patients on your last day of treatment, go out and, and treat yourself, go, go replace all your grooming tools, get a new razor, get a new, um, toothbrush and, and, and celebrate that way. You've, you've gone through this and, and it's just, it's a fun little way just to get them engaged and also make sure that they stay, you know, cured after the fact. Um, Jen, I, I actually forgot to mention, I, years ago once had um a patient and he didn't realize you know his brother had hepatitis c also and it, his brother had no no risk factor nothing that would have you know and what we found out is they were sharing a razor mm -hmm. and and that was so eye-opening and it, that like that was one so that I, I really make sure now that i I make sure I punctuate that point of like getting rid of all that stuff at the end. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And it's something that I think so many of us would go unnoticed and really, you know, not think of. So I think it's a great one to kind of remind folks so they don't reinfect themselves, but also a great like graduation moment, like you said, like it's a great pivot from I've completed therapy and I'm cured. So I, I think it's, it's, you always said it in such a nice way for, for our patients. You know, doing some research in preparation for our interview today, uh, Jennifer and Jim, I find hepatitis C to be uh, very strange in comparison to other viruses. And, and, and reading up on some of the information that we pulled from the World Health Organization, the last point in some of their, um, their specific information is kind of like that general information. The last point says there's currently no effective vaccine against hepatitis C. That's such a head scratcher for me with the advancements in vaccines over the years. I would have thought there's definitely, you know, a vaccine out there. 
Describe to us how are people typically uh, contracting this virus and also um, any feedback to the, the ongoing research around, around vaccination? Sure. Um, so like I mentioned, it's, it's a, a blood-borne virus. So um, people who use IV drugs, um, if they're not using a clean needle exchange program um, through sexual contact, um, you know, like, like I mentioned with um, the, the patients that were sharing razors, you know, those are, those are some of the ways that that can be, it, it's contracted. During this series, we have always come back to the obstacles and how um, specialty pharmacy helps to remove those op obstacles. More specifically, the research that Shields Health Solutions has put together. Uh, Jennifer, financial assistance. If we can't get our patients um, treatments programs, if we can't get those programs paid for, that is a deterrent to getting people on therapy and in treatment, and in this case, cured. Um, for hepatitis C. So talk to us about financial assistance and the strategies that um, that Shields Health Solutions put into play, puts into place. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right there. And and in 2022 alone, we 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 secured over, you know, just about $10 million in financial assistance for, for patients with hep C. And, you know, for folks who have a condition that can be cured, we don't want cost to be one of those barriers for their success. And so our team of liaisons and others within Shields work with the providers, work with the insurance companies to ensure that whatever financial assistance is available, the forms are complete. If there's a prior authorization that's needed, they work to help complete those. And really just expediting that, that time to therapy. Um, we're really proud that you know, within you know, two days, uh, we're able to have a patient start their therapy. Again, you, we talked a little bit earlier about starting it as soon as possible. So breaking down the barrier of cost, getting folks on therapy as soon as possible is something that we, we pride ourselves on and, and our, our hep C patients definitely benefit from that service. Jim, what other obstacles have you experienced in helping patients that have hep C and, and really helping them to look ahead and navigate some of the things that might prevent them from either staying, getting in, starting treatment, staying in treatment, or getting treatment paid mm -hmm. for. I think some of the obstacles that we, that I personally run into is um, with a lot of these patients that are infected, sometimes we have an unhoused population and getting them to be able to pick up their medications and get started on them. Um, with the particular uh, partner that I work with, we have them come into the clinic where they're able to get you know, counseling and, and adherence check-in so that we make sure that they get started and stay on. Um, aside from that, you know, typically side effects, um, which fortunately, or actually, fear of side effects, I think, for patients, um, which fortunately for, for most of the medications now that we use to treat hepatitis C, uh, they're minimal, you know, gastric upset, you know, uh, diarrhea, things, those uncomfortable side effects that patients don't want to deal with that can sometimes impact their quality of life. Um, 
but being able to say like, Hey, you're just going to go through these side effects for, for a week or two. And in, in general, you're, you're just have to get through this for eight weeks and then you're, you're done and cured that, that really helps overcome the, the adherence issues with this particular disease. Um, you know, and, and like Jen mentioned, these medications can be so expensive, but they, our team does a really great job of getting them, you know, copay cards and, and financial assistance and grants and all of that. And that really can help with that as well. You know, Jim, as you were talking, you know, one of the things that stood out there as a barrier to me, you know, once we get patients started, you know, we get them on the right medication is just having to deal with some of the social factors that can impact whether that's access or picking it up or getting to, you know, a doctor's appointment. And I think what the team does really well is trying to identify those barriers and working around them. So in the example you shared, you know, having them pick it up at the doctor's office if they can't have some medications delivered to their house as an example. So really finding ways to not only get access, but continue the patient on that therapy. So, you know, that completion rate is so important for a successful outcome. And um, I think you highlighted some ways that we, we address those, those barriers. I, I think too, with the way our model works, we, um, we speak to the patient, you know, right about the time that they start either, you know, day before day of, um, we follow up a week after to check in to see if they've been experiencing any side effects because sometimes patients just suffer in silence and think it's not a big deal. Um, so that that first check-in that we do a week later is always helpful just to catch anything before it it blossoms into something worse. Um, and then, you know, we check in midway through the the, the treatment to make sure things are going well. So I, I think all of those touch points that we have and, and we, you know, we develop such a relationship with them that they feel comfortable calling us with questions and, you know, we, they have access to us 24 seven if, if they need to call. So I think that's another way that we has been pretty helpful. Jen, I think of, um, you know, pharmacists uh, in specialty that are in um, disease state management that is longer than what a community pharmacist might come into contact with filling um, a prescription that may not be a lifelong um, medication. It might be temporary. Um, and in this case, hep C could be temporary, right? Especially if you get on it right away. However, there's the factor of comorbidity. So let's talk about dealing with other um, serious conditions, ongoing conditions that are going to need treatment that that coincide with Hep C and having mm -hmm. Hep C. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. There are there are a group of patients that this might be their only condition that can be cured, but many times we see that patients are also co-infected with HIV. And you know, to your that point, you know, these patients, although will be cured from Hep C, they'll still require care and engagement by our pharmacist team for their their HIV um, treatment, and and that too is very effective. But you know, we want to make sure that it continues to be effective. So establishing those relationships are important, regardless of of how long the the therapy is, and these patients can continue on with us in that setting as well. Jim, SHIELD's uh, care continuum has a very specific model that they put into place to assure 
that a patient doesn't fall into the cracks. And those cracks could be an ecosystem of many things. We were talking about payment obstacles. We're talking about getting people on treatment fast and, you know, in, in keeping them on treatment. But talk about that cycle, our engaging of the patient, our intervening, our coordinating, our enhancing and renewing. Why is this cycle? Why does this cycle work so well? What is it about this track that you're managing patients on um, that really helps to to get the best outcomes? I think one of the things that works so well with this is that we have so many people just looking at this one patient and and all of us focusing on a goal of getting them through the, the treatment to completion. Um, our liaisons start off the process by introducing services, getting them set up with in you know financial assistance, you know, taking care of their refills. So we we have them checking in on a regular basis. So if somebody isn't refilling on time or if they mention they missed a couple of dose, they they let me know and then I can step in and see if I can get, you know, to the root cause of what what the patient is experiencing, you know, why they may have missed a dose or or catch something beforehand. Um we're integrated with the healthcare system, so we're able to communicate seamlessly with their doctors and nurses and let them know, like, if if I come across something that they mention in passing, you know, like if they're struggling to, you know, with housing or or getting a meal or whatever, I'm able to contact their social worker. So we're able to to treat the whole patient, you know, and and make sure that they have all of the things that they need to support them to to get through this, um, and like I said before, with with our just our regular check in calls, we we learn a lot, and we have the time. We're afforded the time, which a lot of pharmacists don't get, to have conversations with these patients. Like, there's no like I I spend a 20 minute phone call, half hour talking to these patients, which is not something that they're, they're getting elsewhere. Um, and that's when they're really able to open up and share what's going on. And we're able to identify any, any issues that are going on. And just to add to that, you know, Jim, I think one of the, um, the hallmarks of this, of this, you know, cycle, if you will, this flywheel is that our outcomes kind of speak for themselves, certainly our patient outcomes. But then when you think about patient satisfaction, you know, as an example, our, our net promoter scores um, have been above 80 for many years. And I think that's an indicator of patients liking and wanting and recommending our services to others. And looking across other other industries, it's, it's very unheard of to have such a high score. And then similarly, our providers, they're also kind of um, part of this cycle and we want them to be pleased with our services and satisfied. And, you know, just about 90%, a little over 90% of providers say they have a seamless experience and, and would recommend our services to their patients. And so I think that's just a great testament to the work you and the liaisons do at Shields. Dr. James Otten, Dr. Jennifer Donovan, this has been a very special recording. We want to thank you for sharing your experience in managing um, a complex disease state that if you don't get on top of it can really cause some major issues, especially with our livers. So thank you so much for being part of this episode and we hope to work with you further down the road in 2024. Thank you so much, Todd. This was a pleasure. Yeah, same. Thank you so much.